Hi, I'm Julie Lithcott-Hames, the host of Getting In. I'm the former dean of freshmen at Stanford and the author of How to Raise an Adult. Getting In is a new podcast from Panoply, following a group of high school seniors through the college admission process. And right now is crunch time, especially for students applying early decision. You know, when you put it all together, it's a lot. I don't really sleep. I drink a lot of black coffee. But, you know, I'm, I'm stressed, but I'm, I could be worse. I could be bored. That's what you'll hear on the new episode of Getting In from Panoply. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop. I'm the editor of Real Simple. And with me today are Betty Halbreich, who is a legend, a legendary director of solutions, which is the personal shopping office at Bergdorf Goodman, and the author most recently of I'll Drink to That, which is her memoir that just came out in paperback. The hardcover came out last year and is on the bestseller list. And our second guest today is Susan Krauss Whitborn, who is a professor of psychological and brain sciences at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. So Betty and Susan, welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, Thank I, you. I'm in very good company, that I must say. <laughs> you know, um, I could use a psychologist, psychiatrist, anything right now. <laughs> Okay, so when we're done, we'll do it. We'll, we'll analyze Betty, but for the moment, <laughs> okay. we're going to talk about we're talking about snobs this week. So we have two very, very welcome perspectives on snobs. I want to start with Betty because Betty, you have been, as you just mentioned, doing what you you're working your magic at Bergdorf Goodman which for the seven people listening to this podcast who don't know what it is, is a fabulous department store on Fifth Avenue in New York City. So you've been doing this for 40 years, and I am sure you over the years have encountered people who you might consider snobs. And so I wanted to ask you, what do you, how do you define a snob and how do you know to, uh, when you're dealing with a snob? It's funny. I, I was going over the questions you were going to ask me, and you know, mm-hmm. Snob is not in my vocabulary. Uh, It's a strange thing. I think we have to define this, and I think that my co-person is probably much more knowledgeable psychologically about what snob means. I found it sort of an archaic word. I sort of relate it today to how you get into a restaurant. I think Mm. that's snobbery. I think the hair salons trying to get an appointment for two or three hundred dollars, that's snobbery. But I think the people generally have been covering it up in my life. Now, that's in the small insular world that I'm in. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the fact that you can't say what a snob is means you are a snob. (laughs) Well, that's true. I do, but you know, I never. I think I'm so intimidating when they walk over my threshold that yeah. snobbery becomes something that they use at home and leave at home before they right. come to see me. Well, when they come to see you, they're like putty in your hands, Betty. So <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Sometimes I just wonder about the whole thing to begin with. But don't you, do you hear the word? Now, I'll throw this out to you. Do you hear the word snob being used? Isn't okay. intimidating sort of the same 
situation, uh, that people are intimidating, that I run across. All right, so I'm going to give one answer, and then I want Susan to give the answer from a psychological perspective. That so would be good. This, this podcast topic, I should have started with this, was suggested by someone who tweeted it to me. So at Lee Holscher, if that's how I'm pronouncing her name correct, if I'm do, cr- pronouncing it correctly, she tweeted this idea to me. And she said, will you please do a podcast on snobs? So there are, I think it still is a term or a concept that exists, exists in our society, but maybe it's in the eye of the beholder. So Susan, what would you say, you know, is snobbery still a thing? And, and how would you define what a snob is? There isn't an exact psychological definition of snobbery or snobbishness, but there is, uh, I think it's a, there's a very strong tendency for people to show snobbery in ways that we might not even recognize as snob, snobbishness or snobbery. I mean, what it is, I think it's much more subtle, and it's where you feel like you're being judged and you feel like you're being judged in a negative way by something perhaps slight that somebody says. So Mm -hmm. in academia, as opposed to Bergdorf Goodman, you know, the way you show status isn't by the labels on your clothes. In fact, it's quite the opposite. But it's more how you're paid attention to or how little, little things are dropped into a conversation to show this person has better connections than you have. So I, I feel like, and that's not just true in academia, of course, but I feel it's, it's part of a larger psychological process of trying to show your superior to overcome feelings of inferiority. Now, can you talk, I, I'm fascinated by your comment. I mean, having been a graduate student at one point, I think I know what you mean, but you, you made a reference to, to Betty's World, Bergdorf Goodman, and the kind of snobbery that you might find there and how, in fact, the kind of snobbery in academia is so different. Mm -hmm. Could you give an example? Yeah, it's as simple as dropping the name of the Ivy League school you went to versus the non-Ivy League school somebody else went to, or vice Mm -hmm. versa, I should say. So, uh, well, when I was at, you know, Columbia, then this and this happened, and or or dropping the name of somebody you know who's really famous, and you're, you're you talk about them on a first name basis. So the little the slights are much more subtle than just simply going around with your nose stuck up in the air. It's 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 always setting up a gradient of comparison between the other person and you, where the other person comes out better. Mm. Well, so do you think that there is, how would you relate, and I want to bring this back to Betty, because I'm sure you see this, Betty, like, Susan, how would you relate snob, snobbery or snobbishness and haughtiness? Do Mm. you think that a snob behaves in a haughty fashion? They can, but but haughtiness can be all by itself. But snobbery implies this this idea of the gradient or the um, kind of continuum of greatness to inferior, you know, to to worthlessness. So Mm -hmm. you're all putting yourself up higher than the people that you're trying to make feel bad about themselves. So snobbery is I am superior to you. Oh Without actually saying it, showing it. Okay. And so, Betty, what, so if that's how we're going to define it. Well, I'm working against a therapist here. <laughs> I think that snobbery has a lot to do with great insecurity. 
And yeah. I think haughtiness, snobbery, all of those sort of things are usually people that put on a facade. I mean, I have seen so many people walk into my office with because they have to walk down a hall to begin with, which mm. makes them even more frightened. Uh, they walk in with great trepidation. Sometimes I think some of this can be misconstrued as maybe snobbery, haughtiness, or I can do or what. I don't run up against it that often, and I don't know, maybe uh, it's my age where I do have white hair and they're sort of either intimidated or in awe of somebody uh, as they perceive them. As I go back to the original premise that I, I started on, I find snobbery in restaurants. Now, maybe that's more obvious than mm-hmm. what I face every day. Mm-hmm. Now, I live in a building. I live up on the Upper East Side. I, I lived in the same apartment for 60 years, so I have seen people come and go. I will say that I find that the young people that are now living in my building and see me waiting every morning to get to work have a haughtiness about them that I don't see in for instance, my own children or my, my grandchildren are in their 20s. So mm-hmm. I have two generations to call from. So I don't know, maybe this is snobbery, but they're, they're walking around in clothes to go to the gym. They don't look so great to me in the morning. <laughs> uh, but uh, I find that those snobbery in a way is can you eyeball someone can you look them in the eye as you're speaking to them it has all sorts of tentacles from my point of view mm-hmm. but well, i'm what not you a therapist th- i just would like to be one <laughs> you're a different kind of therapist yeah, oh yes i've been called a closed <laughs> therapist for many years <laughs> And, you know, the reason probably people, maybe the reason you don't see that with the people you work with is because people are coming to you for you to tell them what to do, basically. I'm here to make them comfortable. Right. And so... Snobbery is not comfortable. Yeah. So, So, Susan, what do you think about that insecurity point that Betty made? Do you think that snobs are insecure? Yeah, I think she, I I agree with Betty uh, completely. And I also agree with your observation, Kristen, that when people come to see Betty, they're, they're, you know, please fix me, please help me. They're coming to you kind of defenseless or or their defense is not showing because Mm -hmm. they know you're going to help them. Now, the only way snobbery might set in is if they feel they have to get your approval on their choices. But it sounds like you relax people right away. And even after they come down the hallway, even if they were, you know, basket case on the way down, you make them feel good about themselves and help them make good choices. So, yeah, you are, <laughs> that's the essence of therapy, I think, um, in a different realm. But I do think the insecurity is really key. That's what this is about, is do you notice me? Do you think I'm as good as, do you think I'm as, 
I'm good, any good, period. But it, given that you might not, I can at least make you feel bad about yourself so that I can feel good right now. So it, it is a whole kind of mind game. And, and the thing about the, the uh, workout clothes, I, I really have to laugh because you think people really are going to all kinds of extremes to look good in their workout clothes. They wear them all the time now. And, mm-hmm. you know, the snootier the label, the better. And they've completely, I think, devolved from their original intent. <laughs> which was to be in the gym I don't know how it happened but but that's but having the labels show I paid this much for this is is snobbery but then you could have reverse snobbery where I got such a deal on this that I didn't pay as much as you did so now <laughs> it's not the money it's the cleverness so well, can I yeah. say something yeah I think that I have a leg up on this thing because if someone comes in with I really call it an attitude. As soon as I get them in a dressing room, I and they take their clothes off, how snobbish can they be? And may I ask another question? Yeah. Where did this question come from? It didn't come from New York, did it? Oh, no. You know, I have to look at her Twitter profile again, but I think she was someplace in the Midwest. See, this person who, yeah. uh, there's a huge, and I think that... Your other guests, there's a huge differentia between the East, New York, which Mm -hmm. I think is much more liberal. I come from the Midwest myself, Mm -hmm. and I know it can be a bit insular. I come from Chicago, which is a big town. Mm -hmm. But I think it does make a difference. Uh, Well, I, I, I might be very insular in the little world that I live in, you know, And I find my world much more open and much easier to communicate. And that I don't find, and and I take care of some very, I guess it's a hideous word, elite. Yes. In your your world, you know, by name only. Yeah. And as I say, once they take their clothes off, we're all made alike. Right. It's the great leveler. Naked in front of a it mirror. It is a leveler. It's a great leveler. <laughs> so, Susan, I have a question. So let's go back to, so now, now let's go to the service portion of our podcast. When you're dealing with someone who's a snob and you're on the receiving end of that, and if it is, a, if it is an interaction where the, the aim of that person is to make you feel inferior so they can feel better about themselves, mm-hmm. are there, do you just kind of suck it up and listen and and feel sorry for them because they're in, so insecure that they have to behave in such a way? Or do you think it's it's better to kind of try to diffuse it or engage them? You know, what, what, what are some coping strategies, I guess, is my question. Well, uh, I wrote a blog about this, and sometimes I write these, and I try to provide some advice uh, as well as analyze sort of the science behind it. And what I say is just don't buy into it. I mean, recognize where it's coming from. This is a person who feels insecure, and that's their problem. So you could kind of see them as Betty does, you know, without their clothes on, as it were, without mm-hmm. all their status, uh, attempt to, you know, pull status on you, and and don't buy into it. Don't let it affect you, and don't don't go there, especially if they throw little tidbits your way. 
leave it alone. Just use, I said, use extinction. You just don't respond. You know, mm-hmm. don't stare at them. Don't look envious. Don't ooh and ah over the things that they're trying to impress you with. Just be impervious to it. But I will say, I don't think snob, I think snobbery is a universal tendency. I don't think it's particularly geographic. Mm-hmm. And there are probably a lot of people who would say New York is full of snobs. Just, you know, look at people walking down Fifth Avenue. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a psychological quality. I, you know, I, I think it does, you'd think that friendlier people might be less snobby, A, but also in, in New York, it's possible that there's just such a mixture of people. You might not establish the same social gradient that just goes in one direction. Like you've got many more dimensions to exist on, whereas in a small town, it might be a little bit more insular. So I think that's an interesting point, but I don't know. I don't understand how it relates to snob to snobs. Can I say that, yeah. you know, being of my age group, being probably older than both of you put together. <laughs> yes, I do believe that. I'm going to be I doubt it. I doubt it, Betty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't you think that to go back to the original snobbery that I remember as growing up, because it had a lot to do with your religious beliefs. It had to do with the color of your skin. Hopefully, we've overcome some of this. We've drifted back lately. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, whoever dreamt as a child that we would have a president who was black, which Mm -hmm. I think is way beyond anything we ever dreamed of. I grew up in a Roosevelt era. No two people could have been more different. And if you want to talk about snobbery, go back into the Roosevelt era, Mm. because that truly was even to the way that he spoke. So I think today, again, and, and I think that your guests, your other guests will also say to you, when you make eye contact with these people, some people can't bear it. They really oh. can't bear it. You can yeah. break someone down in a nice way by just looking at them and not answering. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes I, I too try to be too intellectual with people who are so unsure of themselves, and I really have to remember to go back to put their arm into the right armhole. <laughs> it's as simple as that. <laughs> Well, I you know, Betty, I think you're talking, too, about discrimination versus snobbery, because I, I think, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're very different. But I do think that with snobbery, there is a kind of in-group, out-group phenomenon mm-hmm. with it, where, you know, people create these other, the haves and the haves-nots, and they do talk about social status. But I, I think that they're separate. I think you can be a snob and still be, quote-unquote, liberal um, yeah. in your attitudes. Well, and I bet there's probably there's probably a snobbery discrimination Venn diagram portion somewhere, right? Where they're yeah. not the same thing, but one might cause the other in certain respects. Maybe not about race or religion or. Um, That's how you're so, brought up. Yeah, a lot it's, of it's how you're brought up. What your mother says to you: Oh, you don't talk to Mrs. Cohn, mm-hmm. and you yeah. can speak to Mrs. Jones. I mean, that, but that goes way back. That's so out of my milieu now. I grew up in a world like that, and I choose to believe that we've come further ahead than mm-hmm. that. Well, and maybe that's why, maybe that goes back, Betty, to your original 
thought in this podcast, which is, you know, in thinking about what is a snob, it's not, regardless of how you, Betty, define it, it's not in your vocabulary right now. It certainly isn't. Because you don't feel like it's a part of... I think we've, I, I, I feel, I don't want to say I, I, I'd like to use the plural, we have overcome it, but maybe it's the world I live in. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's full of so many different kinds of people from so many places. Some touch my lives for the day, my life mm-hmm. for the day. Others mm-hmm. have been with me thirty eight years, and well, they're and from you, all walks of life. And you see them all naked. So yeah. you have. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm hopeful. All naked. <laughs> so they're all the same. All naked. <laughs> well, okay, so on that hopeful note, I'm afraid we are out of time for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. So we have, I feel like we could delve into this all day, and it could be a book, and maybe Betty, think about that with your book on the bestseller list. So Betty Halbreich who is the Director of Solutions, which is the personal, personal shopping office inside Bergdorf Goodman. She just celebrated her 40th anniversary there. And Susan Krauss Whitborn, who's a professor of psychological and brain sciences at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. And I felt, thank you, Susan, for, you know, your great leveler was sort of the psychological rooting of, of snobbery, I guess. Absolutely. So anyway, Betty and Susan, thank you so much for being with me this week. It was great fun and a pleasure. I hope we all learned something. Yeah, yeah thank you. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple, or you can tweet ideas for this podcast directly to me, as at Leah Holscher did for the Snobs podcast. So tweet to me at KVanOctrop. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com and please subscribe to us in iTunes. For Betty Halbreich and Susan Krauss-Whipborn, I'm Kristen Van Ocktrop. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.